Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, is there more lights out here? Because I want to see your beautiful Christmas. There we go. Oh, it's like a giant Christmas tree. It's beautiful. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, and the days of Herod the king, by the way, I should have mentioned this, there is kid care. If you want your kids with you, it's Christmas. Totally cool. But there is kid care if you want to take your kids there. Now, after, for the third time, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophets, O you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that had, they had seen, when it rose, went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. That's Matthew's account. I'm going to read Luke's account. Luke chapter 2. Verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill among men. When the angels went away from them into the heavens, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger, and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Father, we thank you 
for this incredible story that we celebrate this day. May we get a little bit more insight on your ways and your work and how we partner in that this morning, we pray, as we listen and learn from what you have written and recorded in this book. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever compared those two accounts? You have Matthew who talks about the Magi as his way of introducing the story of the incarnation. And you have Luke who records the shepherds as his way of recording or introducing us to the story of the incarnation. I found it interesting as I compared both of them. The Magi are scholars. They study, they learn. The shepherds, well, they don't. Blue collar versus white collar. The Magi see this anomaly in the sky and they pursue it. The shepherds are invaded by a heavenly army. The Magi have to search diligently. The shepherds are given GPS directions. The Magi travel hundreds, maybe a thousand miles. It's costly. They have to plan. It's a pilgrimage. The shepherds, just a couple minutes. The Magi get lost. And the real miracle of Christmas, they ask for directions. <laughs> the shepherds don't. The Magi are looking for a king, and they find a baby. The shepherds are looking for a baby in swaddling cloths. The Magi, when they ask for directions, they're given this cryptic Bible verse from a prophet they've never heard of. The shepherds hear directly from heaven through angels that appear to them. The Magi, they give gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. The shepherds, well, it's the thought that counts. The Magi have a long journey home. The shepherds are at home. The Magi have to say goodbye. The shepherds are, hey, we'll see him again. The Magi are told, don't tell anybody. The shepherds tell everyone. Two very, very different accounts. Now, if you think about yourself, which would you rather be? Would you rather be a shepherd or a Magi? Would you rather get lost in the pursuit of the King Jesus? And as you're lost, when you ask for direction, you're given some kind of a cryptic Bible verse to help you? Or would you rather have the heavens open and angels talk to you? Would you want your search to take years and years and planning and cost and loss and heartache and weariness? Or would you like it to be a five-minute walk across the street? Okay? All of us want to be shepherds. We want that story. But you know what? The majority of us, we're the magi. That's the way it goes for most of us. Very few of us get a shepherd encounter. Most of us live lives that look a lot like the magi. That's what we have. It's called, there's a theological term for it. It's called the hiddenness of God. Like, why can't the heavens just open? Why can't these things happen? Well, it's called the hiddenness of God. Even the disciples of Jesus had this same problem. After being with Jesus, God in the flesh, 
for three and a half years, what do they say to him on the night he's going to be betrayed? It's John 14, 8. Show us the Father and it will make us happy. Right? Even after three and a half years, they're still, show us something, give us a sign, please. I shared this summer a story in my own travel, and it probably sparked this message, actually. And it was how I went to Mexico a number of years ago when I was first beginning to seriously pursue Jesus on my own. Was it my family's faith anymore, my mom's faith? It was mine. And so I went to this orphanage in Mexico, Carmen Cerdon, beautiful, wonderful awesome place where you take care of orphans that are handicapped. And my job down there was to take care of the grown-up boys. And they're men. My job was to bathe them and brush their teeth and change their diapers. Now, changing a man's diaper, it's like, I call it the poop apocalypse. It's very different. Made it very easy to change my own children's diapers. I'm like, this is nothing, man. Piece of cake. All right, so I'm doing this, and I started really pursuing Jesus, reading a bunch and studying and applying myself. And I found that I started running out of ink in the pens that I had brought. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to stand on faith right now, and I'm going to pray that God would speak to my then-girlfriend, she's my wife now, Charity, up in Grants Pass, Oregon, and she would send me, because she was sending me kind of weekly packages, that she would send me a three-pack of medium point blue Bic pens. And so I prayed that in faith, and I look back at that and I chuckle at myself, but I'll tell you, it was really, really important to me at that time. I trust God's gonna do this. And so I prayed that prayer, and Thursday came around when mail comes, and there was no package with three blue medium point Bic pens. I thought, well, okay, okay. Probably the angel spoke to her before she could get the package in the mail to get here on Thursday. No problem. Next Thursday, next Thursday comes, there's no three-pack, a big, medium-point pens. And it's hard to say it now, but you know what? That put me in a really, really funk mood. I felt like either God does not care about me or God does not exist. And I'm just mad. I'm mad at God. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm down here changing adult men's diapers I'm giving myself to you. I'm studying my tail off because I think you put a call on my life and you can't do something as simple as get me three pens? Are you kidding me, God? And while I'm in this funk, I go into my bunkhouse. We had 10 men sleeping in that bunkhouse. And I'm in there just mad. And one of my roommates comes in and goes, hey, um, I have a bunch of extra pens. Does somebody want some? (laughs) So I said, are they Bic, medium point blue? No, I don't want them then. (laughs) See, most of us, most of us have that kind of magi time. Few have the shepherd time. Jesus actually warns his disciples about this. It's in Matthew 16, where the Pharisees and the scribes come to him, and it says they demanded a sign. Show us. Prove to us. Get us three big medium point pens. Prove to us. And Jesus says a wicked and adulterous generation seeks a sign. And then he warns his disciples, Look out for the leaven of the Pharisees. Look out for that kind of way. Because what you'll do to God then is you'll treat him like some kind of a genie and you'll demand he dance for you. And God does not respond to that. See, God will give us enough for faith, but rarely does he give us too much. He gives us enough for faith, like these magi, gives us enough, but rarely too much. 
So I want to very quickly, Christmas gift to you, give you what I see as the ABCs of the Magi. What they did in kind of what's going to be most of our lives as we pursue Jesus. Okay? The A is this. They act. Notice, they're studying the star. Now, if if you put yourself back 2,000 years ago and the sun goes down and it's a hot day, what are you going to do? Hop on the World Wide Web? Snapchat your friends? No, you have essentially one option. Look up, right? Everything else is dark. The only thing that you can see is the stars. So 2,000 years ago, people knew the stars. They navigated around by them. It was common to understand the stars. The Magi were the scholars of the stars. Here's what's fascinating. If you rewind the solar clock back to the time of Jesus, something fascinating happens. The king planet which is Jupiter, and the king star, which is Regulus. They're still called that today. Something happens with these two king, king heavenly bodies. Regulus has Jupiter fly right by it, the king planet, and then Jupiter turns once, turns twice, turns three times, does a complete circle around the king star and heads on its direction. It crowns the king star. The king planet crowns the king star. It does this while it's inside of the constellation Leo. At the same time, the constellation Virgo is rising with the sun. Literally, Virgo is clothed with the sun and the new moon is at her feet. If you know your Bible, that's pretty phenomenal. Because Israel, in Genesis 37 is likened to a woman clothed with the sun with the moon at her feet. And of course, Israel's king is called the lion of the tribe of Judah. Now, if you know your history, back about 2,000 years ago, there started to be this kind of accumulation of libraries, the library at Alexandria. Rome had a library. Athens had a library. People started to accumulate these kind of written stuff. I am absolutely certain the Magi had the Bible. And so they're looking at the stars, they see this crazy thing, they know from their books that, hey, there's this this king who's coming to the line of the tribe of Judah. And so this all makes sense to them. And what do they do with all this information? Do they think, oh, that's fascinating. We should write that down. No, they pack up their camels or whatever they were on, their donkeys, and they get prepared and they go for years to go pursue what they learned. We're gonna act on what we've learned. I love that. What we do with what we know is more important than what we know. I've used him before, I'll use him again. Alexander Fleming. That name should ring a bell. He is credited with the discovery of penicillin. Right? He has a Nobel Prize for that. It's considered to be one of the greatest discoveries in the past 1,000 years. Transformed medicine. But do you know what? Alexander Fleming did not discover penicillin. Dr. Tyndale discovered it 50 years before that. Dr. Gatia, three years before Alexander Fleming. Why does he get all the credit? I'll quote him. He said, because I did something with my discovery. Why is he well known? Because he took what he learned and he acted upon it. It's huge. Huge. What do we do with what we're learning. Are we acting on it? I think too often we're like my, I have a good friend, his name is Josh Bossard. 
And he shared this story. I shared this this summer as well. He shares this story. He said it transformed the way he viewed life. Because before that, he always felt like I was so passive while other people were active. So he and a bunch of buddies, when they turned 18, went up to Bend, got a house. They were ski bums, snowboard bums, loving life. They had a youth pastor who was just a, a wily fellow. And this youth pastor decided to play a joke on them. So he came to their house up there and he dressed up in a hazmat suit with a gas mask and he had a backpack on with, with a sprayer. And so he knocks on the door. One of the roommates, there was four of them, opens the door and he goes, can I help you? And this youth pastor just pushes by him and says, yeah, yeah, I'm here to spray the house and starts spraying the house with this white powder. And so the four guys are, they each reacted differently. Josh was in the kitchen making a sandwich, and he says, it felt like I was in a movie. I'm just watching everything happen and not even in- engaging with it. The, the roommate that opened the door, the, the second roommate, he followed the youth pastor around. Like, what, what keeps asking him question? A third guy, who he said barely spoke, picked up a fly rod case, a six-foot aluminum fly rod case, started following the youth pastor who was being followed by number two guy. The fourth roommate was watching TV, he looked up, looked right back at his TV the rest of the time. So you start having this scene, and, and the second roommate's like asking him, hey, who sent you? What's the name of my landlord? What is it that you're spraying? And, and the youth pastor guy is just ignoring him. like, ah. And he goes, is it dangerous what you're spraying? And the guy says, oh, no, it's harmless. Then why are you in a gas mask and a hazmat suit? And so this guy just turns around, takes his sprayer, and just sprays number two guy right in the face with his powder. Number three guy who has the aluminum fly rod just says, that's it, and just starts beating the snot out of the youth pastor. Knocks him to the ground, and finally the guy pulls off his mask and is like, hey, I'm your youth pastor. Josh said, from that point on, I said, I don't want to be the guy that sits in the kitchen making a sandwich. I want to engage when something's happening. Who are you? Who am I? Because if you know this story well, The scribes ignore the information. Herod opposes the information. Only the magi act on the information. What do you do? What do you do when you're confronted with information? Do you act on it? I want you to take just a moment. If you have something to write on, I'm going to time it exactly one minute. I want you to think to yourself, has God been speaking to me in some way? Maybe it's about things I should be doing with my kids or my family or ministry or starting a Bible study or going on a missions trip or has God been speaking and maybe you're like me, you're in the kitchen just making a sandwich. So I want you to take just one minute and I want you to think for a second, in this 2016, has God been really impressing something on my heart? And I want you to write that down or put it on your tablet or put it on your phone or whatever. I just want you to write it down. So I'm going to give you one minute to think. Someone should play the Jeopardy thing, but we don't have it. There you go.
is it, isn't it a minute a long time? <laughs> isn't it amazing? That was one minute, exactly. Here's what I want you to do with what you wrote down. Tomorrow morning, you'll have the day off. Get up, fill that cup you got with some tea or coffee, and say, Jesus, what should I do about this? What should I do about this? Because I don't want to be like the scribes who ignore this. I don't want to be like Herod who opposes it. I want to be like the Magi who act on it. That's the first thing you see. They act. Number two, ABC, the Bible. The star is awesome. It gets them moving, gets them planning, gets them going. But you know what? They end up getting lost. The star doesn't take them all the way. Instead, they have to go to the scribes and the Pharisees. And what happens? They read to them, verse 6, a prophecy from Micah. And that tells them what they're supposed to do from there. Creation is awesome. Creation tells us a whole bunch of stuff. But creation never tells us about grace or about King Jesus. They cannot. It's revelation that reveals to us God's grace, and it's revelation that reveals to us King Jesus. And if you notice the quotation right here, maybe you've never noticed this before, they quote Micah, but do you know what the pros, the scribes, the chief priests, you know what they leave out? I'll read it for you. I'll read what they say. Verse 6. Oh, you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Let me read for you the real quotation. They actually skip a section. This is Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Oh, you, O Bethlehem, Ephratah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. What do they leave out? They don't mention his coming forth from old, from ancient days. They leave out that this king is going to be God. That's what they leave out. It's interesting to me because the pros seem to do that today as well. Jesus can be a lot of things. He can be a ruler. He can be a shepherd. He can be a teacher. He can be wise. He can be all this. But Jesus cannot be God. He can't be that. They leave that out. The Bible teaches us Jesus is, yes, a shepherd, and yes, a teacher, and yes, an example, and all those things. But the Bible also says that this king is God. You want to be a magi? Act, number one. Number two, read your Bible. That's where we get this information from. And so this next year, we're going to get something on our website. I want to challenge us to read through the Bible in one year. If you've never done that before, it's really amazing. Because you get yourself in a narrative, you get the story, you get hope, you get all these things that start to inform the way you live your life, and it's super powerful. So if you want to be like the Magi, number one, you got to act. Number two, Bible. Number three, I love this one. you got to celebrate. Verse 9. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, 
and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Number two, or number three, the sea they celebrate. So they're following the star, and it says that the star stops. What's interesting is this. If you go back, solar calendar, 2,000 years, Jupiter, the king planet, does stop. How does it stop? Well, it's called retrograde motion. So if you're on the freeway and you speed up and you pass a car, it seems like that car's going backwards, but it's not really, right? It's just your motion compared to the motion of that vehicle makes it seem like it's going backwards. Well, Jupiter, because of its movement 2,000 years ago, actually there's a day, a, a, a night that Jupiter just freezes and turns directions. Guess what that night was? 2 BC, December 25th. That may be the very first Christmas ever celebrated was when the wise men, the magi, finally made it to Bethlehem and offered to King Jesus gifts. How cool is that? It's amazing to me. Probably not when Christ was born, but December 25th may just be the day the wise men arrived. And Jesus was not a baby. The Greek here for child, it means a, a young child, two, three, four years old, something in that neighborhood. They celebrated. It says, verse 10, I love this. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. This is the Greek for super duper, fragilistically, exponentially excited. Now, how do magi celebrate? How do they do that? I don't know. Maybe Amish style. Thou hast put joy in my bosom. I don't know. Maybe they danced. <laughs> Somehow they celebrate here. They're stoked. We found the king. We found Jesus. Listen to me, believer in Jesus. You should be celebrating. You have found the king. Who has it better than us? Who has it better than the believer in Jesus Christ who has found the king? We've been reconciled with our creator. We've been redeemed from our past. We've had our hearts renewed that now our deepest desires are in line with the creator and sustainer of the world. We've been given a righteousness that cannot be tainted because it's not based on us, it's based on Jesus. We have a purpose to our lives that extends not just in this chapter, but it echoes all throughout eternity. We have that kind of purpose. We have a family that stretches across the globe all the way into the heavenlies. We have a hope. We have a hope that says, no matter what happens to me, I know that God is great enough that he can work everything out for my good because I love him and because I am called according to his purpose. Who has it better than us? Nobody. Christians should celebrate. Believers should celebrate because we have a king named Jesus who is our savior and sustainer. So we're gonna sing a couple more songs and then go from here and eat and drink and tell stories and stuff, until stuff comes out your nose and laugh and celebrate, right? Thou hast put joy in my bosom, whatever it is. Celebrate, give thanks that you belong to the very author of life. Amen? Amen. Jesus, Lord, I thank you that we get to pursue you like the Magi. Sometimes it takes years. Sometimes it takes diligent searching. And while we might want the shepherd's life, 
Lord, if you have not given that to us, we pray we'd be faithful to act upon what you've showed us, that we'd be faithful to stay immersed in this incredible story that informs us, and that we would celebrate. We would celebrate, because no one has it better than us. We've found the king, and he is the best. So go with us, bless us, May we eat, may we drink, may we laugh, may we remind one another that we belong to the creator and sustainer of the heavens. May we remind one another that no one has it better than us. We pray this in your name, amen.